Welcome to For What It's Worth, a podcast from Raymond James, designed to help you plan, invest, and live smarter. Hi, listeners. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Paige Lenson. You can find more episodes of For What It's Worth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Throughout 2020, we've been checking in periodically with Raymond James Chief Economist, Dr. Scott Brown, to discuss the impact of COVID-19 and the ongoing economic recovery. Today, Scott joins me remotely to provide an update and share his outlook for 2021. Scott, welcome back to For What It's Worth. Nice to be with you, Paige. It's been quite a year. We last spoke a couple months ago, I think it was early October, and we talked about the U.S. unemployment rate. It had improved from March, April, those really, you know, first big lows, but it was still really elevated compared to where we were pre-COVID. What's changed in the last couple months? Well, I always caution people not to put too much weight on, on the reported unemployment rate. We know there are distortions in there, particularly as you get people exiting the labor force uh, in tough times. And so uh, the degree of weakness is really kind of un, uh, understated by that uh, reported unemployment rate. Uh, but we have seen the pace of job growth slowing down quite a lot. Uh, you get some real strange seasonal issues uh, in, in November, December because of the holiday shopping season. You're gonna add a lot more delivery drivers and normally you're gonna add a lot more retail uh, employment. And we certainly have seen that, but it's much less than in previous years because the bricks and brick and mortar uh, shopping is still uh, pretty, pretty restrained at this point. Uh, so, you know, we're looking for a little, little bit of noise in, in some of the monthly numbers, but a, a slower pace of improvement. So, you know, the, the, the easy part of the recovery, I think, is behind us, that initial bounce that we had back in the, in the summer. Uh, and then it, it's been more slow going more recently. And, and importantly, you know, we've seen this huge surge in, in COVID cases. And you do get some state and local lockdowns, but you also get self-preservation self-isolation, people afraid to go out. Uh, and that's probably a bigger factor than, than you know, the state directives that, that we've seen, but that it does imply maybe a slower pace of growth going into the new year. Now, once we get those vaccines, it's gonna be, we think, full steam ahead. It's gonna take some time before those, those vaccines are, are widely distributed. Uh, but you know, the biggest hit to the economy was in, in consumer spending on services. You know, air travel, tourism, restaurants, uh, you know, even you know, brick and mortar retail shopping, people don't want to go out. So all those things where people have to come into contact with each other, those things should uh, rebound quite a bit. We've had an increase in savings uh, over the last year because people haven't been able to spend money, haven't been able to go to concerts or sporting events or whatever. So that, that should be able to fuel a lot of the spending and, and recovery that we get, probably more so in the second half of next year. If we do see that effective vaccine, you know, widely distributed in the next year, do you think the end of 2021 is going to look extremely different than this year looked? Is it going to be kind of ramping up to that recovery? What is that pace going to look like? Uh, it, it's going to be better, uh, definitely. Uh, and again, you know, this was a very unequal uh, impact, economic impact. Uh, the brunt of, of the weakness was in these consumer services, and those these tend to be lower-paying jobs. So the lower end of the income scale, that's where all the hardship is. Now, a lot of these people aren't really big spenders. Uh, White-collar workers have been more easily able to work from home. And if you can work from home, you can work anywhere. So you're seeing a strong demand for housing as people look for 
for uh, you know more more room. You know, maybe have a home office, uh, maybe a better location or whatever. Uh, but some of the things may be a little bit more reluctant to come back. We think that the, this uh, pattern of working from home is going to stay with us for a while, and people will return to the office, but probably not quite the same as it was before. Uh, and so maybe you don't need as much office space. Uh, commercial real estate is like the bit uh, soft, even though the residential side, uh, I think, is very strong. Uh, in terms of the, the spending habits, so I do, do think you know people are going to be coming back and, and wanting to travel. There's a lot of pent up demand. People cooped up, they're just dying to get out and, and move around. <laughs> so uh, you know we think that that's going to be a real driving force. But there's you'll still have some people very reluctant to to go out in crowds, uh, particularly older people. Even though we have the vaccine, at, you know, coming out, then you know that that virus is still going to be out there for a while. And, and you know it's not 100% effective. It is very effective. Uh, better than, than we thought it was going to be, but it's still going to be some time before uh, you know, we, we really get back to a sense of normal. It's been more than six months since we had that first package of relief. Looking back at it now, what was successful about it and what maybe fell short or didn't go as planned? Well, I think the two, the two biggest points to make are that just the sheer size and the sheer speed. I mean, this was at the end of, of March that you know we had had this sort of in, in hand and, uh, you know, the healthcare expenditures that, that was, was a no brainer. I mean, obviously you had to deal with the pandemic, uh, the extending unemployment insurance benefits was a big plus sending checks out to everybody. I mean, this is something that economists say, why do you keep doing this every time we have a recession? It is very ineffective because uh, those people are just going to stick it in their savings account. They're not going to spend it. It doesn't really do much for the economy. You can make an argument, well, if it's in their savings, then that's going to help propel you know, the recovery eventually. But it doesn't really help to, to uh, boost the economy in, in the short term. Uh, the moratoriums on evictions uh, have been critical. Uh, you know, the, the aid to small business and aid to state and local government. And I think this is going to be, you know, a key issue. We saw this after the financial crisis where state and local government, uh, you know, the, the, because they have balanced budget requirements, their, their budgets are under pressure because the tax revenues are down. And, you know, you, you see cuts in teachers, police and, and firemen. Uh, and we've seen the same thing this time. You know, we've lost a, close to a million jobs. And in a lot of sectors of the economy, you know, you saw these, these big job losses in, in March and April, and then a big sharp rebound uh, in, in June, July, August. Uh, that didn't happen in state and local government. State and local government was still shedding jobs, and that could still be a factor. So, you know, just the fact that you got the vaccine coming in, uh, you're going to have a big economic improvement because of that. But you're going to have smaller st uh, stimulus in 2020 than you did. Uh, in, in 2020. And that implies, well, the, the growth will be a little bit less than it would be otherwise if you had kept that stimulus as strong. Uh, and the state and local government budgets, I think, are still going to be a bit negative. You know, they subtracted, state and local government subtracted about six percentage points from GDP growth in the early stages of the recovery from the financial crisis 10 years ago. Uh, and that still may be a bit of a headwind. But, I, you know, the biggest force, again, is, is the fact that the pandemic is, is going to be behind us and, you know, we can get back to, to consumer services. At the time we're recording this, we haven't seen another round of relief passed, but it sounds like you do expect to see some form of a stimulus package again next year. 
Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of sticking points. State and local government spending is, is one. And again, I think this is pretty critical. It's, it's being politicized. Uh, you know, you hear Republicans claiming, you know, we don't want to bail out states that are poorly run. But, you know, some states pay more into federal into the federal government than they receive from the federal government. And nobody really worries too much about that in normal times. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be critical because, uh, you know, you're talking state and local government employing 13 percent of, of, of the jobs out there. I mean, so that's a, a, a big hit. Um, you know, the package that we may get soon, uh, it's likely to be a bit inadequate. Um, you know, again, you, you extend unemployment insurance benefits. It's critical to support those people that are unemployed. It's critical to support those small businesses that we have been able to hang on. Uh, you know, throughout this pandemic, you know, you're, you're, you can see the finish line and you don't want to just, uh, you know, blow things up, uh, you know, with, with that end in sight. So extending those, those benefits, I think, is going to be critical. And there's talk that, about the stimulus being, uh, you know, t- uh, 10 weeks or something like that, which only takes you to, to uh, the end of February. And it's clear we're going to need, need a little bit more than that. The Fed recently met again for their December meeting. No surprise, they kept their target federal funds rate where it's been right at that lowest kind of 0% mark. Knowing that that's already as low as the target rate can be, what other methods do the Fed use to stabilize the economy? Well, early on, we saw this in March where the Fed lowered rates right away. They restarted these liquidity programs that they'd used during the financial crisis. And, you know, they restarted, uh, they, they created a couple new ones to go along with those. Uh, and they also expanded the size of the balance sheet. So, you know, they're, they're buying treasury securities, they're buying mortgage-backed securities uh, at a regular pace per month. And that pace is going to continue for a while. Uh, and they could increase it. If, if the economy were to weaken a lot, lot further, they could increase that that uh, monthly pace, but it's really fiscal policy that, that the Fed is looking at the, at this point. I mean, the Fed's done about um, you know almost as much as they can can do. Uh, it's that fiscal support I think that's that's really going to be critical. Talking about fiscal support, we saw recently that former Fed Chair Janet Janet Yellen has been nominated as Secretary of the U.S. Treasury. What influence would she have on the U.S. economy in that role? Well, I think investors look look to her appointment as uh, really good news. I mean, she's a steady hand. She's had a huge amount of experience uh, in terms of her, her years at the Fed. I mean, she was chair at the Fed, but she'd also been a Fed governor. She'd been a president of the San Francisco Fed. Uh, she's a widely respected academic economist, but, you know, a lot of, lot of research, really high quality research. So, uh, all in all, you know, she's an economist economist. And, and uh, I think, uh, again, it's, it's the idea of a, having a steady hand. She's not going to do anything reckless. She has experience in, in dealing with all kinds of, of uh, potential crises that, that may come up. Uh, so I think that, you know, the markets have expressed, you know, pleasure with, with her appointment or her nomination. Of all of the different challenges facing the economy right now, what do you see as the biggest concern? Well, uh, you know, what I don't worry about is the budget deficit. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's high. Um, our, our kids and grandkids don't have to pay it off. They just have to you know, make the interest payments and be able to roll over the existing debt. And the government has no problem borrowing at, at this point. Interest rates are low. They're projected to, to move up over time, but not too much. Uh, and uh, in fact, you know, if you look at the, the interest expenses 
that are projected over the next 10 years. They're actually lower than they were before the pandemic because interest rates are, are generally a lot lower. Uh, and I wouldn't see in, uh, long-term interest rates moving substantially higher uh, simply because of the demographic changes that we have. So I don't worry about the, the budget deficit. I worry about not doing enough to support the economy in the near term. I worry about taking the fiscal punch bowl away too soon. And you see this shift and part of it is political. You know, you get a change in the White House and all of a sudden the deficit matters again. Uh, and, you know, we saw this particularly in, in Europe and, and, and in the UK uh, following the financial crisis, everybody did fiscal stimulus, but a lot of these countries thought, well, we got to start worrying about our budget deficit. And you try to raise taxes or you cut spending. And lo and behold, the deficit still stays high because the, the recovery ends up being a lot slower than, than it would be otherwise. Uh, so I worry about that. I worry about the, the issues in state and local government because I think that's going to be an ongoing problem. And I don't think it really gets a lot of attention. Are we in a recession right now or are we at risk of being in a recession? Well, uh, economists define a recession as being a period of declining economic activity. So we saw that in you know, uh, March and April. Uh, and then uh, the economy bottomed out. We started adding jobs. We saw consumer spending picking up again. So a recession ends when the economy starts to turn around. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything's okay. It just means that the economy has stopped falling and is growing again. So in that sense, a typical standard definition, we would say that the, the recession ended probably in, in either April or May. More immediate, you know, because of the surge we're seeing in, in COVID cases, uh, you know, you're seeing some weakness in, in, uh, in retail uh, sales. Now, retail sales are actually higher before adjustment, I mean, because people still are spending on, 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 uh, on the holiday. Uh, but they're not uh, spending as much as they normally would in, in October and November. So that shows up as a seasonally adjusted decline. So that's what we're facing at. And I think there's enough momentum as we came into the fourth quarter, we should stay Above, our, above water for the uh, GDP as a whole for the fourth quarter, but it's gonna be probably a lot slower into the first quarter. Could be flat, could be close to zero, but then again, as these uh, uh, vaccines start arriving, you know, we'll, we, we're likely to see the economy really starting to pick up. You know, initially, I think in, in, in the first quarter, but more so in the second quarter and, and then really the second half of next year. Scott, we've got one last question for you this afternoon. What will you be looking for in the next several months? Are there more data announcements, um, different information that you're going to be keeping an eye on? Well, I think you always look to the uh, uh, employment numbers, the non-farm payrolls that come out every month. There's a, a lot of seasonal adjustment that goes on in, in you know, November, December, January, because you have all these hot holiday jobs and then you lose them all in January. So the numbers could really get whipped around. So you kind of want to look at it maybe sort of piece by piece, look at a lot, a lot of the details. A lot of the economic figures are going to be you know, distorted and, and subject to, to all kinds of little quirks here. Uh, jobless claims is one where our, uh, you know, the weekly numbers, we used to look at that as a solid leading indicator, but there's been a lot of distortions uh, throughout uh, 2020. You've had people, uh, you know, filing repeated claims. They may not get their benefits, so they file another claim. There's been issues of, of fraud across all the states. Uh, in California, for example, there was a report where a woman had a vacant uh, apartment uh, and in the mailbox, it was just you know jammed with like 30 different uh, employment unemployment checks 
that somebody had filled out claims and, and with different names on the check. And so the idea was that somebody would come and, and, and take them out of the mailbox and try to go cash them. So there is that fraud. And I think they're, they're trying to clamp down on it, but it's been very difficult because just the sheer volume of claims that have been received have been, uh, been enormous uh, over, over the course of, of, of uh, 2020. Uh, but we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking a lot at the consumer spending numbers. Uh, what sort of rebound are we going to see? And a lot of the consumer services. And I think that that will really dictate how fast we improve. Uh, inflation, I don't really worry about too much. I don't think that's going to be much of a factor. You had a little bit of a rebound in, in commodity prices. You may see a little bit more of that as the economy recovers. But it's a very limited ability for U.S. firms to pass on those higher costs. The labor market is really the widest channel of inflation pressure, and there's really not not a lot there. So, um, again, I think it's 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 the jobs and and the consumer spending that are going to be key. Raymond James, Chief Economist, Dr. Scott Brown. Scott, thank you again for your insights. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe to catch all our latest episodes. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. All opinions and information, including any price references or market forecasts, correspond to the recording date listed in this episode's description. Any performance figures noted do not include fees or charges, which would reduce an investor's returns. The information contained in this podcast is not research, nor does it constitute the provision of any investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or recommendations to the listener. Raymond James and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and you should discuss any tax or legal matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance is not an indication of future results. There is no assurance any investment strategy will be successful. Investing involves risk, and investors may incur a profit or a loss. Investment products are not deposits, not FDIC-NCUA insured, not insured by any government agency, not bank guaranteed, subject to risk and may lose value. Copyright 2020 Raymond James & Associates Inc. Member New York Stock Exchange, SIPC. Copyright 2020 Raymond James Financial Services Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC.